Now we're rolling. How are you doing today, Jake? Oh, I'm doing pretty good. How about yourself, David? I'm doing good. Um, yeah, it's been a chaotic 24 hours for me without a bathroom. But like I was explaining earlier, we replaced our flooring in our bathroom and then the toilet and the plumbing and all that jazz. And that was kind of stressful, but it's all it's all good now. Well, you so. rolled up your sleeves, took care of your family, and uh, got the job done. So that's awesome. It's important. But the thing is, is like I've never replaced a toilet before. So like... Um, when you, uh, you can go online and just watch, like watch videos on YouTube and you can literally get a degree on things. It's interesting. Uh, well, I wish it was that easy with uh, running for politics. I was I've going never, to segue into that. I've never done that one before. <laughs> and uh, there doesn't seem to be too many YouTube videos on uh, how to avoid the, uh, <laughs> the craziness in uh, um, politics. How did you get involved in politics? I mean, because you said you've never, you've never ran for office or anything before. Sure. So I'm a uh, business owner. I own Christian Insurance Group, downtown Lansing. Um, and I'm doing my thing. I'm doing my business and uh, helping people in the community, just uh, serving them with insurance and financial service products. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, uh, one of the things that really struck me prior to running, I didn't, I was still not thinking about doing anything political-wise, although I wanted to do something, was when, uh, you know, the uh, Joe Biden came and uh, basically said to us business owners that we're going to have to uh, force our um, employees and agents and people that work with us to get a vaccine or to um, get weekly testing or fire them. That was basically the three options that were uh, before us. And, um, you know, that really upset not just me, but a lot of the people who had heard about it uh, that were working for us and are in our company. And so... How many employees do you have in your company? Well, we have a, an interesting situation where we have a lot of um, people who are agents, independent agents nationwide. So we have over a thousand contracted agents nationwide. Um, and so, so long story short is I didn't want to get into a situation where I'm forcing people to do something that they don't believe. I don't, I'm not um, saying that like if you wanted to wear a mask or if you wanted to take a, you know, the vaccine that you couldn't. But I just feel like, you know, as an American and as a business owner, that we should leave that choice up to each and every individual person. And so I uh, stood against the uh, the mandate. Before it was thrown out by the Supreme Court, actually, I just told everyone in the company, I was like, hey, listen, I'm not going to force anyone to do vaccines. I don't think that's right. I don't think that's morally right. Uh, you you guys are adults. You guys can choose what you want to do with that. And, um, and I left it up to each and every person. And so um, <clears throat> did, but, you, did you get any backlash for that? Uh, no, actually, everyone was very supportive. I mean, again, the people who, you know, who had a vaccine, they, or wanted to get one, they you could get one. Not, I'm not stopping them. From, <laughs> I'm not saying you're fired if you get a vaccine, uh, right. but those people who, who didn't, who, you know, maybe didn't trust the science all the way or wasn't fully proven out and fleshed out to them. And they felt that the risk didn't outweigh the reward of getting the vaccine. They, you know, they could decide not to. And so, um, and so that's kind of where I kind of put my little mark on the ground and said, you know what, and stuff that. I mean, clearly there was tons of terrible things going on in 2020 when, with all of the lockdowns and and the the, the draconian measures. But uh, but still, um, I wanted to give the freedom up to the people that worked with me and not um, to be left up to the government. And I think there was a lot of people who were uh, who worked at places that didn't allow them to choose, and they lost their job because they they believed strongly enough, including our own military. I mean, we had people. Yeah in our military who were forced to get the vaccine and many of them, um, you know, if you didn't do it, you were dishonorably discharged, you lost your benefits, a very sad thing. Um, but uh, I think people who uh, appreciate the freedoms uh, are, are very happy to work in an environment uh, that, such as myself, my own place and many others who stood up against these sort of draconian measures. 
It's kind of a crazy thing with uh, the whole vaccine discussion, right? Like, if you say that I am not for the vaccine, you're automatically equated to this, like, alt-right group. Like, you are othered, in a sense. Am I correct? Yeah, I think that there's a, there's the mainstream media narrative that if you don't do what, you know, what mainstream media and what the government tells you to do, then you are, you know somehow, you know, inherently evil or you're doing something that's hurting the, the, the greater good of the, I mean, that's how it was sold is, you know, you may not believe in the science, but you got to do it for your common man and the good of society. And so, um, so yes, there's, there's always attacks from, you know, the left, but I think more and more people are waking up and just realizing that, Hey, we're America and um, we have a decision. We should be able to choose if we want to, you know, take some sort of a, in my mind, some sort of experimental vaccine or not and uh, and i think people respect uh, that you know that judgment even if you if you got the vaccine if you thought it's the greatest thing ever i think you most people realize we live in america and at the end of the day it still should be a, a choice with something like that i had a guy in here yesterday that i went to school with and he was like i'm triple vaxxed and i'm like oh cool good for you um you know he never got covid and he attributes it to getting vaccinated and which could very well be the case maybe he has the um the immunity now However, like I got COVID twice and I was fine. Yeah. Um, it's interesting too. Like I had COVID before and I, I recovered. And so now that I have natural immunities, I don't see even a incentive. I mean, I wasn't like 100% when the vaccines were first announced. You know, I wasn't 100% against or for. I was kind of like, okay, well, this is, this is something potentially good. Let's look at it and see. And then you hear just of the, the amount of time that it took to rush out these things. And so uh, that's kind of what gave me pause for concern, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Especially when uh, you're not a young, you're, you're a young guy. Yeah. How, how old are you? I'm 30. You're 30. So a lot of people like our age, we're around the same age, um, end up getting myocarditis when they got the vaccine. So there's health problems that it, that come with it for young men like us. Yeah, I mean, I, my own father, he didn't have any heart problems at all. And uh, I tried talking him out of it just because I was concerned. And now he has... I don't know what specific health condition related to his heart, but a heart murmur or something new, mm. uh, something that it caused. I'm not exactly sure. But uh, it just goes to show that there is there is pause for concern. And also the way that the um, <clears throat> the secrecy behind the studies. I mean, we had Freedom of Information Acts requested to these companies, and they originally told uh, the American people that, you know, it was going to take them, you know, 50, 60 years to release you know, the information, oh and of course, that was absolutely ridiculous. It doesn't take half a century to release, you know, your documents, and so... How long does it usually take? Uh, yeah, I mean, how long does it take to collect? I mean, you you know, you run a podcast. Some, you know, government entity said, hey, give us proof of whatever, you know, podcast you shot and the details behind it. Right. Would it take you 50 to 60 years? I mean, <laughs> I, I, mean you know, I know these are a little bit bigger studies. This episode is brought to you by Red Bike Delivery. This delivery service operates only using battery-powered, eco-friendly transportation. Red Bike Delivery is there for all your delivery needs, whether it's dinner for the family, flowers for your partner, or new houseplants for your new collection. Red Bike Delivery will gladly deliver those and everything in between. So what are you waiting for? Check out Red Bike Delivery on Facebook or Instagram for more information. Red Bike Delivery, because there's only one Earth. But right, I mean, the, right. the thing is, is there's no way it should take, uh, you know, most people's entire lifetimes or close to it to release documents. And so that was just one of those, another one of those cogs in the wheel that just made a lot of people kind of uh, question the whole 
the whole thing, I think. And so I think uh, transparency is important for, for anything. I mean, if you're asking millions of people to, to take something, you should you should have the, the proof to back it up. Yeah. And, I, and like I said, I wasn't one of the people who was an automatic no for me. It was more or less uh, it was these steps that kept leading up to more and more questions and I mean, I guess devil's advocate, people would probably say that they were just trying to rush to come up with something that would, um, you know, uh, help fight it. And and even though that they didn't have the studies available, they were probably just trying to make a difference. Well, sure. I mean, if that was their uh, <laughs> argument and that's what they said, um, and just to play devil's advocate, because, well, yeah, like that that's the, that's the thing, right? And so that's why I was open to the idea of taking the vaccine because, yeah. you know, I wasn't, it wasn't like I wasn't hundred percent on the never ever take a vaccine ever right. uh, crowd. It was more or less just, um, I think I should have the freedom of the choice to decide. And the more they almost pushed me to get it without, in my mind, seemed to be adequate, uh, proof, um, that it's safe. Um, and the more questions surrounding it, the more it made me not want to get it. And I think I've talked to other people, just, you know, everyday people, they tell me the same thing. They're kind of yeah. on the fence about it, but you know, it's almost like the more someone tells you, do it, do it, do it. You're kind of like, well, wait a minute. Why are you trying why? to get me? Especially so when it's the government. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, How close were we to the government enforcing people to get vaccinated? I mean, obviously with the military, they forced it. Um, but as far as like everyday people, people who work for corporations. Well, I'd argue we already crossed that line. I mean, we had, um, you know, multiple people in healthcare sectors. We had people all across the nation get the jab, get the vaccine after <laughs> banding. Well, I mean, it really is. Yeah, I mean, the, yeah. <laughs> you had a jab in India to get the vaccine. The Fauci ouchie. That's right. Um, <laughs> so, so we we actually had Biden come along and give an executive order saying, "Hey, you have to do weekly testing." And, and these aren't. It's not like um, it's not like uh, you know, just uh, you know, push a button, click one, two, three. That's how you test for these things. You know, they shove these Q-tips straight down your nostrils. It's a very intrusive thing. Who wants to do that every single week for the rest of their lives? And so many people reluctantly got the vaccine. It wasn't, uh, you know, in their mind, they said the president of the United States, the executive branch of government says, do this or or get weekly tested or you're getting fired. Yeah. And so there was, there was, I I don't know the exact numbers of how many, but I could imagine uh, hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people who at that moment in time said, well, I guess we have to do this. We were on the fence. We didn't really want to, but I can't lose my job and I don't want to be, uh, you know, jabbed every, or, you know, uh, prodded every single week to get tested. So no, I yeah. think that we already crossed that line. Unfortunately, I think there's a lot of people who had to make that diff- difficult decision. In fact, I do a lot of interviewing at my company as well too, and, and stay on the pulse of the you know, the interviews and a lot of people who came to us for jobs were people who quit because quoting, you know, things like I, well, I, didn't, I just didn't want to get the vaccine at all. And, you know, they were forcing me to do it. So, wow. Yeah. That's one thing I, I work at GM and that's one thing I was worried about is being forced to uh, get the vaccine. Um, and there, I know that there was a lot of coworkers that felt the same way. You know, they, they had talked about, and they have a lot of seniority like me. I mean, I don't have a lot, but you know, I have like almost nine years. So, um, you know, it's a decent amount of time. And to be able to say, like, if you're going to force me to get the vaccine, I'm not going to work here anymore. I'm going to quit and go do something else. That's something. That's that's huge. Yeah. And it, there's a lot of people, a lot of my coworkers that said that. It is. It's, I mean, I can't imagine being at a place. And that's why I wanted to run my business like how, like how I would imagine if I was working for me, I would want to be uh, treated in this environment. And so... Uh, basically, I try to put myself in the shoes of my, you know, the people working with me. Is um, am I going to force them to do something that I wouldn't want to do? 
Uh, and, and the answer to that is no, right? And so uh, I can't imagine being um, in a position where I'm a provider, a provider, or even a sole provider. I don't know your specific situation, but anyone, um, and, and be told, hey, do something that goes against what you believe or get fired. Mm-hmm. It's just, just, yeah, that's not the America that I grew up in. That's not what I see as a, a free and a free country. So that's what catapulted you to want to run for Congress. Oh, that was seventh district Congress, seventh district, but that was a major, uh, major, um, prod, but no, I wasn't thinking about running for Congress at that point. I was thinking, I don't know what in the world am I going to do? Am I going to go and stand out in some of these protests? Uh, am I going to, I mean, I don't know. I didn't, I didn't know what was going to happen at that, but, but that was one of those feelings that just really frustrated me with the whole system and the whole situation. Uh, and so, But I still hadn't thought about uh, running for politics because let's be honest, who in the world wants to go <laughs> to Washington and uh, go deal with a bunch of uh, you know? Uh, I mean, we all have heard politics is dirty, but holy cow, it's uh, it is probably the the most scuzzy industry of anything I've ever been involved in, and you know, it's and just, you haven't even really you know been involved too much. Oh man, yeah, no, just from what I've seen. I yeah. mean, let me t- let me let me start with this. So. Um, so for those of you who don't know, yes, I am running in Michigan's 7th District. There is an August 2nd primary where you can vote in the Republican primary. There's only two of us in the 7th District, myself and another gentleman named Tom Barrett. And so we're running uh, to see who basically can represent the Republicans in the general election. And uh, I collected uh, 1,424 signatures with my team. Now, a lot of people have heard of these governor's candidates. There was five of them who got thrown off the ballot for... Uh, what seems to be very questionable reasons, and there was clear, I can tell you firsthand because I've seen the whole Board of Elections, the people who decide who's on the ballot or not, and the State Board of Canvassers, there was just no, there was not enough time. Anyone and everyone who was involved in this process would tell you. How much time was there? Uh, well, I got 29 hours and 40 minutes. Holy I got a, cow. I got a notice, 29 hours and 40 minutes. I got the actual key that allows uh, me to to see what the errors they said that they were throwing me off the ballot. So they gave me... Basically, just just slightly over one day, including you know time that people normally sleep and stuff like that, to to prove to the state board that I should be on the ballot. It's almost like guilty until proven innocent. Um, so they threw. They why, th- why did they give you that time limit? Um, because the whole the whole thing was rushed. It wasn't a time limit um, that was just for one person. It was here's the meeting. And you all have to attend. So all the governor's candidates, all anyone and everyone who, who um, they said you're not going to be on the ballot, this was your one chance to prove otherwise. Okay, mm, gotcha. And so we, we, and my wife, my family, my campaign staff, everybody on the team, poured through every single one of those 1,424 signatures. Now, again, we only had 29 hours and 40 minutes to look through all this and all the errors. So they gave us a list of all the errors with the error codes. And the error codes, many of them were, <clears throat> many of them were what they call a dual jurisdiction issue. And now there is nowhere in state law or the state statutes that requires uh, the state board of canvassers to disqualify a signature because they added extra information. They just uh, arbitrarily decided to do that uh, in my case. And so, uh, a dual jurisdiction they list as an issue that. Uh, is if you if a client or if a um, a person who signed the ballot wrote down um, like their city and their township, well, therefore they could be living saying that they live in the city or the township, so the whole signature is crossed out. Um, so we had 
almost, or actually we had just over 300 of my signatures were thrown off for Holy cow. what they call dual jurisdiction. Now, the interesting thing is their own, the state of Michigan's own definition of a dual jurisdiction is a city and a township, not a county. So over 100 of mine were a city and a county. So they already went well above their actual own definition because a county is not a municipality and their definition is a municipality is a city or county. That's Go Google it too. That's what a municipality is. And so they threw off things that people wrote the city and the county as well. So they threw those off. Now, what else is interesting is uh, my primary opponent, on every single one of his ballots, all of his ballots, he wrote Charlotte, Carmel Township. Now. Every single one? Every single one had Charlotte. How many did he have? uh, Well, roughly the same amount. Uh, I think roughly 1,400 as well, somewhere around that. So roughly we turned in. I don't know the exact number, but about the same amount. Okay. Every single one of them, he had Charlotte, comma, Carmel Township. Now, the interesting thing is I also had um, signatures with Charlotte, comma, Carmel Township, so city and township. Now, the state board said that it was okay for him to make those errors and then threw mine with identical issues off the ballot. So I'm Whoa. wondering why. Why did this happen? Um, and so I dig and dig, and I'm trying to figure out, figure out, and, uh, and then I realized there's a connection between the State Board of Canvassers and uh, my primary opponent. Looks like they're good buddies. And it turns out uh, Norm Schinkels, the chairman of the board, uh, the Board of State Canvassers, turns out he actually endorsed my primary opponent, signed his nominating petition, and then threw me off the ballot. Uh, so really weird stuff, right? Holy cow. Really weird stuff. And uh, I don't know if his, his uh, guilt was getting to him or what, but the weirdest thing ever is I don't know why in the world a state board of canvassers guy who threw you off the ballot would then call you. The guy <laughs> called me after I announced I was running as a write-in and basically was asking me not to run. So I don't know what's going on there. It's a really interesting situation. Some weirder things, though, is that those were, you know, there were several hundred of the dual jurisdictions they threw off. They also threw off, <clears throat> like, actual errors. So I brought 63 errors to them. These are actual mistakes they made. Like, they said... Oh, there's no signature at this line, and clearly, as clear as day, there's a signature. So I don't know if they just went too fast or what. Uh, they also said uh, things like, "Oh, there's no registered voter," so we crossed off that one. Well, we showed, we literally showed them that they were wrong. There is this registered voter. We went to Michigan's registered voter file. So, long story short, they made 63 errors that we proved we showed to them, and they threw off hundreds more that they called this dual jurisdiction, right? Um, we showed them the errors, and, at, and you, you, anyone, anyone who is interested can actually go on YouTube and type in State Board of Canvassers, and they can actually see these live because they live stream them. So you can verify what I'm telling you. When I showed, we, my attorney and I, we had a chance to present. We showed all the errors. Well, I'm sorry. What was the name of that? I'm going to. Uh, State Board of Canvassers live meeting. I'm going to put that in the show notes. Yes. State. Live meeting. Yes. And uh, maybe you can throw this up on the notes when we're done with the shot because I don't remember the exact date off the top of my head. Uh, but there's a specific date because they have live meetings every every so often, every few months or whatever they end up doing. Okay. And so this is there's a specific date that pertains to this. Uh, but I'll get you that date uh, here in a second. Okay. Um, but but so bottom line is is 
they we presented the the proof to them. Remember, we only had twenty nine hours, forty minutes. Everyone on our team, my family, everyone, my own wife was up till like three or four a.m. like digging through all of the signatures to try to find all the mistakes they made because we were only fifty two signatures short of being on the ballot. And so we showed them 63 actual mistakes in that um, in that 29 hours and 40 minutes. And then there was more after we, because we didn't have enough time to find them all. There was more mistakes after that. But in that short period of time, we showed them that amount. Plus all of the dual jurisdictions. That is absolutely ridiculous because the bottom line is, is people signed a nominating petition for me because they wanted a chance to see someone new on the ballot. Right? That's what, that's what um, the democracy, uh, the system of voting that we as people agree on, is we want to see new new people, new ideas on the ballot. We may or may not vote for them, but at the very yeah. least, we want to have a chance to research them more and then potentially choose them. Um, and so those people that wrote uh, Charlotte, comma, Carmel Township, and their, their signature didn't count, but it was okay for my primary opponent, they're really being disenfranchised, you know. Uh, and anyone who wrote in their county uh, as well as their city you know their intent was they wanted me on the ballot when they signed the nominating petition for me. And so I think you're really disenfranchising the, all the Michigan voters who wanted a choice, right? Uh, so anyway, long story short, we proved all of this to them, and they didn't even look at it. You can see that on the meeting, uh, they just asked the Norm Schinkel, uh, the chairman of the board, asked the state board of canvassers director, uh, can we even rule on this? Do we have a do we have an ability to rule on it? No, we don't. All right, all in favor of him going off the ballot, and it was just done like that. No, no looking into any of the proof. No looking anything we said. Uh, just gone. And so um, we got completely illegitimately kicked off the ballot. But guess what? Uh, Jake Hag's not a fighter. Or he's not a quitter. He's a fighter, and he's not quitting. And that's why, again, that's why I'm running as a write-in. Is you you're not going to. I'm not going to give the state board of elections and these people who cheat people off the ballot and, and rob the voice of Michiganders, I'm not going to give them the satisfaction of, uh, of winning. And so I'm, uh, I've already announced as a, a write-in candidate. Uh, it's uh, pretty cool. You can just write in my name underneath Tom Barrett's name on the 7th Congressional District. You just write it and fill in that little box next to my name, a little bubble. And, um, and that's how you vote for me. So if I can educate enough people on how to do that, uh, and they really like my policies and stuff like that, I hope they would vote for me. But, uh, but uh, yeah, that's the story of uh, Jake Hag versus the Michigan Swamp. <laughs> <laughs> that is insane. Yeah. That is, you would think that'd be a conflict of interest that you couldn't be on that board if you endorsed a, an opponent or somebody who's running. You would think uh, it, it's like, hey, I I like this guy so much that I'm going to put my own name, my own <laughs> recognition, my own. I mean, this guy's a serious guy. I mean, he's a state. Uh, He's the chairman of the 7th District, um, G GOP chairman as well. So he's really well collect connected politically. Norm Schenko is also running for state uh, rep in Michigan. So he's very well connected politically. Um, but the fact that he's, you know, he's, he's, he trusts Barrett, he likes Barrett enough to put his own name and endorse him, I absolutely agree with you. I think it's absolutely unprofessional that you would be the one chairing the board that makes the decision on if his pri your buddy's primary opponent is on the ballot or not. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And he's obviously make, taking a concerted effort to uh, eliminate his opponents. It seems to be my case. That's what, that's what it looks like to me. But the reason you got to think about why, I mean, and that's the real reason we got to boil down here. So I, I don't know how much or little you know about politics or not. I have I'm to, not in I've, it at all. <laughs> okay, so long story short, I'm running as a what you call an America First candidate. And it just means that I believe... 
we should take care of Americans first. I know it seems like a logical thing that any politicians would say, but you'd be surprised. Most politicians seem they'd rather send billions and billions of dollars around for the whole rest of the world. Yeah. Even while Americans are suffering, gas is $5, groceries are inflating. Uh, you know, mothers and fathers can't find infant formula for their little infants. Um, but yet we continue to send billions around and help everyone else around the world. So they are strong. They are scared in the Republican Party of America first candidates like myself because the people really like us, uh, the voters there that we're, we're much more. Uh, if you ask just a random side by side of any random Republican voter, hey, would you rather have the guy who's America first going to take care of people here in our own country uh, or the ones who keep, you know, sympathizing. And I'm not, not that I don't sympathize with this world. It's just I realize as an elected official, I, my responsibility is first take care of my own people in my own district. You ask right. them, would you take care of people here and spend and send the money here or send it overseas? I mean, at least nine times out of ten, they're going to tell you, no, we need to do it here in our own people. Yeah. We're hurting really bad. And so I think a lot of people, when they also hear Republican, they, they, uh, they associate it with, like, Trump and January 6th. Like, they're, Republicans are, like, these evil, like, wanting to take over democracy type people and so then we need to vote them out you know that's at least that's my perspective of it from like the way other people on the left talk about republicans sure especially um, when you have president joe biden going on um jimmy kimmel and he's saying oh well those republicans have you, did you see that interview He's like those Republicans. They're uh, they're not just normal Republicans. They're MAGA Republicans. Yeah, I think there was, it was meant to be some sort of insult. But it's funny, actually, the people who uh, who are Republicans on the right who foul this whole thing is like they're they almost wear it as a, a badge of pride. Like, hey, I'm a ultra mega Republican. It sounds like some sort of really cool title. Uh, but the the the, the, the the idea that it's um, somehow a bad thing to want to put America first. Yeah. The idea that it's somehow uh, that, that that people don't want this. I think it's silly. I think you can't really argue. Uh, what is the opposite of America first? It's literally America last. I mean, yeah. you can't, who wants to sit on that side of the of the aisle? Well, apparently, there's a lot of politicians that do, and, and it's both Republicans and Democrats. It's not just Republicans. It's not just Democrats. There's both political parties, especially mostly the politicians, and we all know it. We all see it. They'll promise you the world when they uh, are wanting your vote. Yeah, absolutely. It. Oh, you're hurting so bad. Let me change. <laughs> Let me do something for you. Yeah. But then when they get into power, they do the exact opposite. And I think. Well, I think maybe they those are things that they would like to do. And obviously, they're just saying as much as possible that would get them elected. But when they get in office, they're kind of constrained a little bit. They, they're not able to pass pass what they want necessarily because they have you know people opposing it and well yeah there's 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 more leadership red tape to and it. there's 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 a lot more that goes behind the scenes but i still think it's no excuse there's lots of uh examples i could point to of people who would literally you know i mean like they they say they're going to i mean it's not just a matter of they're constrained i mean I, we see votes go like complete opposite way of what they even ran on and promised mm-hmm. i think uh, the only politician in, um who's kept his promise in the last uh, year and a half is Joe Biden when he said that he was going to end all uh, drilling and uh, and he didn't care if it caused the gas prices to go up or not. He did that. He said he wasn't going to uh, he wasn't going to drill on federal land. He said he wasn't going to drill. Uh, he was going to stop all drilling on federal land, all offshore drilling. Period. It was all going to end. All the drilling was going to end. And look where we are now. In the first day of office, he stopped the Keystone Pipeline, XL Pipeline, and he's continued to attack American energy independence ever since. And now Americans are paying this huge, I mean, we're literally, our, our gas prices have almost tripled 
since he's taken office. And so he has fulfilled that campaign promise of ending American energy independence. It's kind of funny because you pulled up in a Tesla. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I actually pre-ordered that uh, Tesla in 20, I think it was 2015. So Whoa. 2015, 2016, whenever they first announced it, I was like, that is so cool. It is like, I was, I was actually kind of like in the market because I didn't want to buy a nice German car or something like that. I wanted a nice, what's the nicest American car? I don't know, made in America. What's the nicest, coolest car? And it's definitely the Tesla. Uh, but I also have a GM, um, a very nice uh, Chevy uh, Colorado, which kind of okay. gets me done for the work and, yeah. and stuff like that too. So, uh, you know, it's my wife and I kind of both swap vehicles just depending on the need. <laughs> Uh, but uh, it's ridiculous, right, to have gas prices that are so high. And, yeah, it's ridiculous. Like, I've been blessed. I have a business. I own a business. I can afford an expensive car. But most Americans, they can't, right? Yeah, they, yeah. they, you know, these, these politicians say, oh, you don't like $5 a gallon of gas? Well, just, you know, just buy a $70,000 electric vehicle. That'll solve all your problems. And most Americans are like, well, I can't even afford Dollar Tree anymore because it's turned into a $1.25 tree. And so right. um, the problem is, is we have politicians who promise – to take care of uh, their own people here in America. And they get there and they do the opposite. Yeah. Uh, what kind of things do you plan on changing when, you, when you're when you elected? Sure. So, um, well, let me start with the things that I, I think all of us can agree on. And then I'm going to go into something that I think it might even be controversial on the Republican side. Uh, not every Republican says this, but uh, let's start with the, the basics here. We have to get into, into office and we have to stop. I mean, we send so many billions and billions of dollars all around the rest of the world. I mean, we're hearing about it every day. Uh, 40 billion here, another 40, 30 billion there. And um, Americans are suffering so bad. So I want to put in policies that, and I want to I vote uh, things that, that have come across my desk that are, that are stopping these sort of fundings. Because I don't think we need to take care of everywhere else around the world while we have a $30 trillion deficit and while American people can't even afford to drive around anymore because gas is so high. Um, so we need to turn that around and take care of people here at home. Um, but so what do we do? So, okay, so we, we're stopping. Let's say, for example, let's just use a round number. Let's say we, we ended up stopping, not just myself, but we had enough America First guys in Congress to, to vote for actual change and to stop all this. So let's just use a round number. Let's say $100 billion we could save every year. Okay, well... Uh, let's 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 do something like let's put 50 billion aside and refund different programs at home and use the other 50 billion to start paying off this 30 trillion dollar debt. Uh, something like like a, a common sense approach that because we, we have to pay down this debt we can't just keep growing it. Why? Because who's our biggest debtor? Well, it's China. Or our, whoever owes our, owns all of our debt is China, right? They're, they're our biggest lender. So we're we're. <laughs> We're literally taking out more debt, giving it out, and then paying back interest to China. Does yeah. that make any sense to anybody? I don't. It doesn't make sense to me. Uh, so, so start paying down some of that debt, which uh, if we don't, is going to keep forcing us to raise our taxes because we have, you know, we the people have to still pay off this massive debt. Uh, so we have to pay that down, and then use some of that other money to fund certain social programs. So, um, well, I am very pro-life, and that's opinion uh, that I stand behind very strongly, but. I realize the the one of the things that I think we need to do more is take care of women in these crisis pregnancies. I know there are certain uh, cases where uh, women are, uh, you know, there's there are a lot of cases where they're like, I really would like to have the child. I just don't feel like I can financially afford it. Well, I, I think we should do more to support women, especially with the big overturning of Roe versus Wade. Um, I also think some of these programs should be spent and sent for um, 
or taking care of our seniors. So I work in the senior market. I work with a lot of seniors, and many of them are low income. So um, you, you you have a, you have a senior who she literally he or she literally gets maybe a twenty dollar raise in their social security, and then their Medicare Part B goes up forty dollars a month. So they're they told they they're told they make a they, they make a gain, but they actually lose money because right. yeah because their 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 bill goes up more than their increase. And then that's not in counting. And I'm not kidding you when I, I said the Dollar Tree is now $1.25, but a lot of my customers, that's their main grocery store. So, no, it's not 8.8 or 9% inflation. It's 25% inflation when you go to a Dollar Tree and now everything you buy is $1.25. That's real inflation right there. That's, yeah. that's an impact on, well, I guess I'm just going to have to cut out and eat 25% less food every week. Well, I don't feel that anybody's necessarily slowing down on buying, buying things. Like, I, f- I feel like people are continuously getting in debt. I think uh, that might be true of the middle class and even the low middle class. But I think I'm talking people, people who, and I, I work with many uh, low people. income families. Uh, and I'm, ta- I'm telling you, $800 a month budget, $600 a month budget in total. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. They're in low income subsidized housing because they can't afford anything else. Yeah. Uh, and, and when you take someone who their main store is is Dollar Tree to buy all the essentials because it's the cheapest place they can, you know, they can still get their essentials at, and that that price goes from a dollar to a dollar twenty five. That is a real impact, and they literally are just cutting out the the amount that they're spending uh, because they just that that's their budget. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So what could be done? So again, if we're sending, if we're stopping the amount of money going over, we're how, how could money, you change that though? Again, it's I'm one voice in right. in, in Congress. There's right. multiple of us that need to move, but we need to we need to, we need more America first people, and I need to go to Congress and educate other um, other potential legislators, right? Other people who um, who maybe prior weren't voting that way and such. But whatever I can do to get the word out that hey, listen, we need to put the American people first and the people at home are really hurting right now. Let's stop taking care of the rest of the world uh, and start taking care of our own people. Yeah. We just recently sent over like $40 billion to Ukraine, right? For support. Yes. Yeah. So that, that's, when you look at that and there's a lot of Americans uh, who question that and they question and they, they, they don't want, of course, they don't want Putin running the world. Nobody <clears throat> wants Putin to just take over. I don't think he's going to. <laughs> but <laughs> from what I understand, he's not doing very well. <laughs> I would hope not. Uh, nobody, nobody's saying we love Putin or anything like that. But we, we love the American people, and we realize that we can't be involved in every single conflict around the world. Yeah. And there's only so much we can do. Especially and when we just pulled out of Iraq or Afghanistan. Yeah, we, we, we. I mean, if you want to call it a pullout? It was more of a. a <laughs> a horrible retreat where we yeah. absolutely failed on the way out and it was embarrassing uh, around on the world scene. It was absolutely embarrassing how it was performed. And But anyway, uh, yes, we, we just we just left Afghanistan and now we are here in another conflict and we are spending American taxpayer dollars to fund it. And again, it would be different if we were all in Rolls Royce and we all driving the fanciest cars. We all had million-dollar mansions and life was great. But it's not for many millions of Americans. They're suffering it, and they're suffering more than ever seen. And look, our our uh, stocks are being absolutely decimated for people who are oh my who are able to invest. Yeah, I have a four hundred one k, and my four hundred one k tanked. It's more like a two hundred one k now, isn't it? <laughs> I, I I really I think I lost like forty thousand dollars within the last 
year and a half. It's sad. It is sad. It's really sad. And look, look, regardless, you like Trump or not, if people who are following along and listening, uh, Trump did say, if that guy gets elected, your gas is going to be 5 6 $7 a gallon. The stock market's going to crash. Uh, the housing market's going to slow down. I mean, this guy literally predicted everything that we're here facing now. Uh, and so I want to see America. I really want to see all Americans winning at every financial level, right? Whether you're the lowest income or the highest, anywhere in between, uh, I want America to win again. And I'm so tired of seeing the whole rest of the world win at the cost of Americans. And I know um, specifically with China, you know, this country, China, used to be um, a a country that manufactured just chopsticks and trinkets, very basic stuff, really cheap stuff. And now it's the world's largest economy capable of producing the most sophisticated electronics, medical equipment, even fifth-generation fighter jets these days. Wow. Um, this is crazy because once upon a time, our country, in specifically in Michigan, and Michigan's 7th District, right in the middle of the heart of our heartland, this country used to produce everything that mattered. It was made right here. And it was made by people who could afford to take care of their entire family on one good paying income and and put their kids through college and buy their own home and get the best pensions and retire yeah. comfortably as well. Uh, but now, and I'm telling you firsthand because I've been to China, I've, I've spent three months at a time in China on and off. Uh, I, I speak Mandarin Chinese. I'm very well really? versed. I, yes, I'm very oh. well versed in uh, our economic adversary, China. I know firsthand, I've seen... How much win? And I, I don't have a hate for any of the, the Chinese people. If I was a, a Chinese elected official or official in China, I would be uh, I'd be cheering on what American politicians have been doing because it's good for my country. <laughs> but it's not good for the Americans here. Right. Um, we no longer have this this one one income. I mean, you work at GM, right? So yeah, my wife does uh, too. Your wife does as well. Yeah. Like you, so you know, like um, these jobs, they get shipped overseas, um, and now we have. Uh, two families, these two parents rather per family, they're working in service sector jobs. These jobs have no hope and no future. They're barely getting by and they've seen 9% of their take-home pay robbed from them by inflation and it's just sad because I really want to see America uh, to be a prosperous nation again. And quite frankly, uh, you know, since there is a GM plant literally Right outside my office, I talk to a lot of people from GM. I also work with a lot of GM retirees, and many of even the union, um, traditionally union Democrat households who voted uh, mostly Democrat for pretty much their entire life are telling me, we are so sick and tired of the party that takes its orders from global corporations that has been selling us and our jobs out for decades and they are coming over to the America First movement. And it's it's quite an exciting thing to see. That's one thing that um, I've always wondered is why, like, the UAW, for instance, or the, any union um, automatically supports the Democratic Party, no matter what. And without knowing the, poli the policies of the politician or knowing what they plan on doing, they endorse those politicians, always. It is. It they is, endorse Joe Biden. It is really interesting, isn't it? Uh, that they would endorse uh, Biden when 85... Now, 85% of Americans say they don't like the direction the country is going today. Yet, uh, these these UAWs, these different uh, organizations are automatically getting behind them. I, I can't answer that question in full detail. I, I only wonder why uh, more um, both union Democrats and in any union households, rather Democrat or Republican, are continuing to vote for the politicians who are standing behind uh, their jobs being sold out from under them. 
and and it is a sad thing. It is a sad thing when when we as a country, um, we had the economic power and the, we were the envy of the entire industrialized world, and everything that was important that was made that mattered was made right here, and now it's all made in China. And so no, we really need we really need to as a society as a people be more cognizant of who we're voting for, and you know, hey, fool me once, shame on me, fool me twice, shame on you. You know, you'll, you lied to me as a politician once, you went and did the opposite. Well, I'm not going to reward you with my vote again. We yeah. need to be tough on that. We need yeah. to actually pay attention to these. And so, you know, if, if you, you know, you vote for a Democrat one time and then they get in power and then they start voting for stuff that's literally, I mean, like, okay, so Tom Barrett specifically, I have a, a bone to pick with him. He's not a Democrat. It's a, he's my primary opponent, of course. Uh, but um, he voted six times in a row against a new GM plant being built right here in Michigan's 7th District. The battery plant? The battery plant. There's 5,000 new jobs, GM jobs. These are good-paying jobs. Why why would he vote no? Uh, Well, it's interesting. You look at what his reasoning for it was, and he would rather use the money that was going to go to these GM plants, and instead of voting to build the GM plant, he wanted more government jobs instead. Now, this is a supposed Republican. You would think... Okay, no, a Republican would rather have a you know American-made company with right. a big battery plant and five thousand more jobs here, but no, see, but that's the America last type of Rhino Republican that um, that is still left over in in the Republican Party, and yeah. so I think that the Republican Party is going through a transformation. We are gaining support of uh, Middle America. We're gaining support of those people kind of in the center, and and the old establishment type doesn't like that. What kind of jobs would he create as for government? What, what um, was- I think there was some there was some jobs related to construction work and stuff like on the roads and stuff. But the point is, well, what does it have to do with GM? Yeah, well, the point is exactly. Well, it's, there's there's a bucket of money, and they're deciding where the money goes. Oh, okay. no, no, to because of the tax breaks. Different. Well, not to the tax breaks specifically. This incentive money that the state level can vote for of where the money is going to go. They, okay. He, he specifically would rather have the money go to these different various government jobs than to a GM plant, and he voted for against it six times. Now, Alyssa Slotkin is the Democrat on the seventh district, She's and all she for is. It. She is all for it, which is interesting that I am the only Republican who is saying, why in the world are we uh, turning away a big, beautiful GM plant that would have produced 5,000 jobs, and uh, instead we're going to buy our batteries from China? Because that's where they come from, these lithium batteries. Why do we want to buy from China and make them wealthy, Tom Barrett, instead of our own people here in our own country? Well, and not to mention mention the fact that GM is a huge corporation. They can build... They can build a plant anywhere. They they could go to Detroit and build a plant. They could go to Ohio and build a plant. They could go to any any part of the United States and build a plant. Why wouldn't we want it here, right in our community, where we're providing five thousand jobs when we have impoverished communities, people who need good paying jobs? People complain about that all the time that there's not career opportunities, not jobs where you can earn a four hundred one k and have good benefits. Why wouldn't we want jobs like that? I agree with you, hundred percent. I am. All for that plant being <laughs> built. I hope it gets built. Uh, I hope that uh, they're working on it. Uh, I, well, it's awesome. Uh, it's f- really sad to see that he would continue to vote against it, though. Yeah, that is sad. Especially you know somebody who works at GM. Like, I mean, that's that's obviously the future. I mean, you pulled up in a Tesla. Like, more and more people are going to electric vehicles. It's the future. It really is. Even, whether you want it to be or not. I mean, whether we start drilling for oil here or we start mining for batteries, it, that's the future. I believe it. I believe that there's going to be many more electric vehicles in the future, sure. But 
I didn't believe in making the American people suffer in the meantime because of it. I agree. Uh, I'm not going to close down. If I, if I had the choice and I was sitting in Biden's shoes, I would be, it would be the opposite, right? Like Trump did. He, Trump, I mean, he was for American energy independence. He was, uh, we were actually independent, energy independent. It was an amazing thing. And as soon as Biden got in, in power, he, he punished all the Americans because, yes, people want to move towards electric vehicles eventually, but he's, he's, he's cutting off, uh, he's, he's tearing off the Band-Aid for many Americans when the, the scab, there's not even a scab there yet. It's still a fresh wound. Is there, we, we it, first need to. How's our infrastructure for, for electric vehicles? Do we have one? I think that would be sustainable. I don't think we, there's any way you could you could you could sustain an, uh, the entire electric infrastructure in America, especially. Uh, I mean, Tesla, of course, they have more infrastructure than any other company currently, right. as far as uh, you know, charging stations and yeah. service centers related to specifically electric vehicles. Now, uh, Ford and GM are on their heels. They're putting a lot of pressure. That's awesome. They're all American companies. I hope they all do wonderful. What happened with GM and uh, Ford and changing the amount of time that it was going to take to switch over to uh, all? electric vehicles um, uh, from what I understand and I'm not the most well-versed person on electric vehicle batteries but I think it's a lack of uh, the amount of lithium that can be mined and brought in well, to create these batteries I know that they met with President Joe Biden and she was planning on switching over I think by like 2035 and then after meeting with Biden she, she agreed that she was going to switch over by like 2030 they talked about it on the Jimmy Kimmel oh on Jimmy Kimmel yeah, yeah. best yeah. source for news oh, no Biden did yeah, I saw that. I think I saw part, I saw clips of it. I didn't see the whole thing, okay. but I think I saw clips of it. Yeah, I don't I don't honestly know uh, the whole situation with what Biden said on on Jimmy uh, Kimmel. He said he met with Mary Barra and she agreed to um, drop the suit against Elon Musk and to uh, uh, go like fully change over to electric vehicles by 2030, I believe. Interesting. Um, that's yeah. great. Uh, that's that's um, you know eight years away. I know it's scary um, though. It's interesting, but we're still eight years away, and so I don't think any American should. And even if they hit their most optimistic, and I don't know often when the government ever announces that they're going to get a project completed at a certain amount of time, that it ever actually happens in that certain amount of time. It did with uh, Afghanistan. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, when it does hit time marks, then it's a, an absolute disaster. Um, so if we absolutely, if we get uh, to a point where we can, we can uh, drive around in beautiful electric cars and they're as cheap as a used Honda <laughs> that some people could only afford these cheap little, you know, uh, right. these cheap little foreign cars. <laughs> if it gets to a point though, in all seriousness, where people can afford the vehicle and they can drive it just like any other gas combustion engine, then, and, and it's just has the same amount of range and it has the same infrastructure and it's just like filling your gas, you know, cause even right now I love the Tesla. It's a beautiful car, but it takes yeah. me, in the fastest case scenario, if I have an empty battery and I go to a supercharger, it's like an hour long. Well, that's way more than a. That's way more than a. What's a, the range gas station? Um, well, it started at three hundred ten. Uh, you have um, uh, you have uh, degradation over over the years, just like a cell phone battery that you right. keep plugging and charging. Right. And it slowly drains. I think I'm at like two eighty now. Okay. Of of range. Um, How much does something like that cost when you want to swap out the battery? It's probably thousands of dollars. I uh, yeah, I don't think it's a very yeah. It's it's from what I understand, it's it's a it's a very costly thing. There is yeah. uh, there is battery warranties, and of course that the 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 companies the manufacturers put on them. Mm -hmm. But I wouldn't want to pay for a new battery myself. <laughs> I, I've, I've heard it's quite expensive. Yeah, I could imagine. Uh, what are your views on the Second Amendment and what's going on today, and how the Democrats are wanting to um, 
I guess, come up with more restrictions and uh, background checks and all that stuff? Sure. So I think um, it doesn't really matter what my personal opinion is. It matters what the Constitution says and specifically shall not be infringed. It means exactly what it says it means. And and uh, so that's what I uh, intend to do is not infringe it. Um, we have uh, a Second Amendment in place specifically because, and I think it's pretty fitting to talk, you know, July 3rd, the day before our uh, Independence Day, about where we were as a country in 1776, the point where we actually had to uh, revolt against the British government, overthrow them, and here we are with America now. So the Bill of Rights was instilled in place shortly thereafter because the American founding fathers realized that, hey, we were... Um, we were literally, uh, we, if we didn't have guns, we would still be British rule as as simple as that. Yeah. Paul Revere's ride, the British are coming, the British are coming. Well, they weren't coming, uh, you know, to do hunting with them or clay shooting. They were coming to take their guns away so that these people in 1776 could not defend themselves from a tyrannical government. And so that's why it was written in. Now, I hope we never, ever have to use it for that reason, but that's almost like an insurance policy, right? Right, right. I hope my house never burns down, but it's nice to have homeowner's insurance in the off chance it does, right? Yeah. That's how I view guns. I view guns as an insurance policy, and in a worst-case scenario, um, we have to defend our liberty. That's why it's there. Um, So I would be very against uh, restricting guns. Now, it's interesting, though... um, the school specifically, because something has to be done. We have, you know, these schools with 20-something doors <laughs> and one less left prop open, and we have some horrible, horrible event, and it's, it's just terrible. Um, so I would be in favor of, uh, I've seen, uh, you know, and this is another thing, is like we, the amount of money we send over um, to Ukraine, to just, not just Ukraine, to just any and every country. Ukraine's the country of the day, but it's, right, there's always right. a country that's in massive need of American help, and yeah. we send billions to um, but why not spend some money on, you know, there's, there's many uh, veterans, they're fully trained in, in how to properly handle a gun, give them very uh, good uh, mental health checks, give them, you know, make sure that they're, they're competent and capable, and then give them a job, uh, maybe even two of them, a job of protecting each and every school in America. You know, that would be less expensive than the amount of money we sent to Ukraine. Have you, do you know Tim Kennedy? Um, I actually, uh, I think I've heard the name, but I don't know too much about him. I was listening to him on Joe Rogan one day and he was talking about, I think he has a company that develops, um, like security for, for businesses and whatever, but he developed security for schools and it would, he said to implement his program, it was like $400,000 per school. And the way he would do it is he would create landscaping around the school. So like people couldn't have access to windows, you know, it'd be a way to like, like nobody could climb through a window because there'd be like trees or bushes or whatever there is. Sure. And then every door would be locked and they'd probably have like an alarm on it. So like if somebody went to go prop it open, it would sound, a, sound an alarm, kind of like a fire alarm. And then you would have a one point entrance. And when you walk into that one point entrance, you're locked into a, a room that, you know, who knows, maybe has metal detectors, has cameras. And then you can't go into the school until, you, until you're cleared by somebody. That uh-huh. seems like common sense to me. You wouldn't uh, even need somebody with a gun. I mean, well, I... I I mean, maybe a security guard in a in a uh, room with surrounded by monitors or maybe something. somewhere near the front of the uh, that one single entryway right. would be smart to have someone. With it might it. not be a bad idea, um, but maybe. at least it'd be something. Absolutely, it, it's more than what we have now. Absolutely, I I think uh, like I was saying, we have these schools now with twenty different doors. One gets propped open, and all of a sudden we have these horrible things. Uh, so a single entryway, I'm 100 percent in favor of. We need to secure our schools. They need to be protected. They are children, after all, and we need to protect them. I mean, politicians have people with armed guards. Like, 
or banks? Like, why yeah. why aren't we protecting our kids? It's interesting. It's always politicians who are shouting that, um, uh, you know, you you can't have a gun. You're not allowed to have a gun. Only we are. We're important enough. You don't need one. Um, so, no, we do need to secure our children. We need to secure, uh, and I believe, with the armed guard. I believe that is a great idea, or two. Yeah. Uh, and I think we have many veterans who can't find jobs right now, and they are all of them are trained to operate a weapon, so why not give them a job if they're open to it and uh, and, and put a proper procedures and proper um, proper security in place of these schools to protect them? One, th- one thing I've seen, I follow uh, a couple Democrats running for different positions here um, soon, but when the Uvalde shooting happened, they were all up in arms, and they were saying, well, this is why we need to get rid of Republicans and vote Democrat. They were using it almost as a catalyst to pr- like promote their platform. I found that extremely disturbing. And um, I don't remember where I was going with that. But the thing is, like, I guess what's disturbing to me about that is the fact that they're using their position in that moment to try to take away somebody's rights. Well, I think we should stop politicizing these horrible events. And the news should start talking about the actual things that are happening. Like, how about the mother that was shackled and held off from saving her child and then broke out of those shackles. Why isn't that talked about? Why isn't it talked about? And then broke out and then went and got her and saved her her children. Or how about the um, police officer that came uh, and was turned away himself from saving his wife that was in that building? Why are these type of topics not talked about? Why is it, why is it the fact that we're only using this to politicize it and as some sort of, uh, um, Democrat or Republican talking point on both sides yeah. instead of the real issues at hand, right? Right. Um, the last question I have, we're almost an hour in. So um, free speech, what's your thoughts on that? Like silencing people and um, censoring people, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I, I think if we, um, yeah, so you look at Twitter. I think that's the biggest, I mean, there's lots of different places, but yeah, uh, Twitter specifically because it was very controversial uh, we had, of course, uh, President Trump was kicked off, and now Jordan Peterson. I don't know if you saw yeah. he was he was kicked off. Yeah, uh, and people just question this, right? Because it's it it seems to be um, that it's more targeted towards conservatives. And now we have um, the left that is very concerned about Elon Musk taking over Twitter, and they're they're finally saying the same thing. Well, wait a minute. What if he? you know, turns down the reach of some of the, you know, somebody controls on the conservatives. I've <laughs> turned down the reach of, of the these, of these, of the left. And now it's a concern of the left where it's been a concern of the right for, for many years. And so I think um, I'm in favor of, of making sure we have an open free space to communicate because our country and our ideals, like I'm sure you and I don't agree on everything politically, but here we are sitting across the table at a podcast yeah. chatting together. Absolutely. Um, that's what America is. That's what makes us great. Our ability to communicate, get our ideas across. You might say something that that, my, that pops up in my mind, and now I'm thinking, oh, yeah, that's a great idea, where I hadn't thought of it before, and vice versa, right? Right, right. I might have said something to you, now you're kind of thinking about it. So that open discourse allows us to communicate and kind of form better opinions as a group as yeah. we, as opposed to being isolated and separated and not able to communicate. Because if all um, social media, media is just an echo chamber, we're really not learning. If we're all only yeah. Democrat or all only Republican talking to each other, we're not really yeah. uh, moving the needle on any sort of bipartisan ideas getting no, across. No, not at all. And if you aren't willing to talk to those people whatsoever just because you're not you don't agree with them or they did something – like for instance, uh, I talked to Ryan Kelly. Uh, I don't know if you. Oh, I think yeah. your I think your wife reached out to me and she was like, "I seen you talk to Ryan Kelly." 
uh, can you talk to my husband mm-hmm. and um, or talk to Jake? She, I don't think she said you're married. You guys are married, but um, <clears throat> the thing is, like, people like found out I talked to Ryan Kelly, and they're like, "Why would you do that? Why would you platform that guy? Like, he's he's a piece of shit. He went to uh, the January sixth and tried to overthrow the government. Why would you do that?" And I got all kinds of backlash from it. It's interesting. Um, I, I, and it was just a conversation like this. Like, it's not like we're diving deep into politics. I'm asking you some basic just questions and you're yeah. just talking. Well, I, you know, and that's the thing. I think, I think it's good to any listeners who, uh, who you get backlash from talking to me for, I will just say to them that um, I am glad that I am inter- invited onto this podcast. I think it's been a very respectful place. I think we share good ideas. You know, you might not agree with, like I said, your viewers, you might not agree with uh, everything that I have to say. Um, but that's okay. But that's okay. That's America, right? <laughs> right. That's This isn't uh, a uh, third world dictatorship where the government says that only the viewpoints of whatever they say goes, right? Yeah. We need to have this open discourse, and uh, I encourage it. You know, we're both respectful. We both hear each other out. Uh, I'll hear your viewpoints out. You'll hear mine, and hopefully we can actually understand each other better. And I don't want us to be divided as a country. I, I really believe united we stand, divided we fall. I believe that wholeheartedly. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it, um, it, it just separates us when we can't have those conversations. Absolutely. Yeah. Is there anything else you want to talk about? No, I, I appreciate you very much, David, for bringing yeah. me on to the show. This was a very great experience, and I, I, I'm very happy I came on. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. And uh, you drop some bombs on here. Drop some some names. That's going to be interesting. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, it is interesting, and that's one thing. That's one thing. I I think this the, that it's a very, uh, very a very interesting situation to be uh, living at firsthand because everyone always hears politics is dirty, but man, oh man, is it really nuts over here in Michigan? It's great. It's almost corruption at its finest, right there. Yeah. And that's what everybody is always fearful of when they go to vote: is that does my vote actually count? Yeah, and that would that would prove right there that their vote does not count. Yeah, well, I think not even their vote at this. They're, it's it's a, their ability to even have a to even have a to have a voice to have yeah. a choice, right? Um, and and it is sad, and, and it doesn't matter really whether it happens to Repu- it, it. It does matter, but it, it, I don't care if it was all Democrats that got thrown out the ballot or all Republicans or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's the fact that it's happening, right? Yeah. It's the fact, and so um, specifically, I think it was a, a very um, a very unfair, terrible situation, but I'm continuing forward because I want to expose it. I want to continue to bring it to light. And this happens to, I'm sure I'm not the first person that this has happened to. If, you know, I'm the first one speaking up about it from anything I've seen, but I'm sure that there's other people who they just get thrown off and they, you know, I am just a regular guy or girl. What am I going to do about it? And they just right. give up, you know, right. so. Uh, so no, we're not going to do that. All right, man. Well, thank you. Appreciate it. All right. You always have a voice here. So thank you. Yep. Thank you. Thank you.